You're listening to the Tripping Off Podcast. My name is Jesse Lyon. Joining us today from across the world, I'm here with the Paper Pat, or Patrick as we know him. He's an English teacher who lives in Japan and has over three quarters of a million followers on TikTok. But how did he get there? And how does he deal with the culture shock of living in a different country? And what is it about him that makes him so resilient and interesting to others? Well, leave that to the hypnotherapist. Well, Patrick, it's uh, it's so great to have you, man. From yeah. uh, I think I think this officially changes the podcast to an international Ooh. podcast. Ah, nice. You're okay. it, man. <laughs> wow, that's exciting. Yeah, it, I'm glad it, it, to be it, the first international guest on on your podcast. Yeah, you are it. Okay, you are yeah. the first international guest on the podcast. We come in for those listening. Uh, Patrick is from Japan. Well, from we're about to find out, but he currently lives <laughs> in Japan and teaches English. Right. Uh, yes. And so I had uh, I had a friend of mine. Shout out to my buddy uh, Stephen Panton. He tagged me in one of your videos because he actually also teaches English in Japan, and so he follows you. Oh, and okay. Gains a lot of like insight and information from what you do, and uses that for you no know way job and so he's like oh man you posted a video about a dream you had and so mm -hmm. he tagged it I'm like oh yeah I'll, i'm gonna make a reply to this but ah, that's super cool okay so that's how you got connected with me and that's okay because i remember seeing your video um the interpretation of my dream and i was like wow that's so cool like i i'd never uh, seen your account before i was like I, who is this guy like that's so cool he does like <laughs> dream interpretations and he's like a like a counselor like i thought that was super super cool i didn't know that's how you got connected or i guess that's how you found my account um, yeah we're friend. kind of like different like spheres of the tiktok universe like you're in <laughs> yeah. this, like, english teaching in japan and i'm in this the like mental health side of tiktok and then mm -hmm. like worlds collide yeah yeah it's cool though i love I love connecting with people who are from completely different sides of TikTok. Like I've, I've made so many friends. A lot of people I've met on TikTok are um, also foreign people living in Japan. But um, it's really cool to run into people and um, befriend people who are, yeah, like you said, just running in a complete different circle of TikTok, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. But you're not, you're not from Japan. You're Correct. from... Yeah. I'm from... from I'm from um, Michigan in the U.S. Michigan. I grew That's up a, in Michigan. That's a little yeah. ways away. <laughs> what was that? That's a little ways away from Japan. <laughs> exactly, yes. It's quite a ways away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've been living here for uh, just over six years now. I'm pretty, pretty okay with living far from home. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is. It is very, very far away. <laughs> That's a little different. How does um how does one end up like just one day you wake up and you're like, you know what? I'm going to Japan. <laughs> I'm gonna move to Japan. How does that <laughs> yeah. Um basically it's kind of a it's an interesting story. So I was in my first year of college and I just developed a an interest in uh Japan specifically, um, kind of out of the blue. Um, and it kind of grew and grew as my, um, college years went on. And I, um, the summer before my senior year of college, um, I took a trip overseas. Um, and I wanted to go to Japan, 
but um, my school was offering like these different trips you could raise money for and, and go to these different countries and do like a volunteer work. And um, I wanted to take one to Japan, but there weren't any available trips to Japan. So there was one for China. Um, and at the time I was like, well, China and Japan is like the same thing basically. So I'll just go to China. <laughs> Oh, no, they're most I definitely not that the anyway. same thing at all. <laughs> um, so I went to China for a month and I really enjoyed it. I had a, an amazing time there. And um, I came back, finished my senior year, and I decided to, uh, I still was really interested in Japan, but I wanted to go back to China um, and, mm. you know, reconnect with friends I'd made there and, um, and teach. Teaching English is probably the most common way that people are able to move to both China and Japan, like foreign people. Okay. Um, and so that was the route that I took to get back to China. And um, yeah, I was there for three years teaching English, um, all the while still thinking I want to move to Japan at some point. Um, and my older sister actually was teaching in Japan while I was teaching in China. So I was Whoa. able to... Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. So I was able to take trips to visit her and see um, see what Japan was like and, and see her school. She lived in a city up north in Japan called Sendai. And so I, I met, you know, her bosses and everything. And they were like, if you, want ever, if you ever want to come and work for us, Patrick, like, let us know. We'll gladly have you come work oh, for us. Man. So I was like, okay, I got, a, I got my foot in the door. Like, this is this great. Is yeah, so I finished my third year in China and, and I moved to Japan after um, to teach in Sendai. And I was there for five years. And then April of this year, I moved down to Tokyo, where I am April now. of this year, you moved to Tokyo? Of this year, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. Yeah, it has. So I, I didn't even realize you had spent that much time in China before you even getting to Japan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's been, That's, uh, uh -huh. so do you also know like a, a bit of Chinese then too? And yeah, I know, I know a bit, a little bit of Mandarin. Um, I think my Mandarin is probably a bit, I think it's a bit better than my Japanese, <laughs> even though really? I've been in Japan longer. Yeah. Chinese, it's difficult because they have a bunch of tones, um, that okay. English doesn't have, but it's also a bit easier, I think, for um, English speakers to learn than Japanese because um, the gram grammar is basically the same structure as English. Japanese oh. is like mixed and kind of like backwards almost at some points. It's very difficult to get the grammatical structure down in for uh, Japanese. So okay. I was just able to learn Chinese a bit quicker there. I also had more time mm -hmm. to study the language here in Japan. My previous job in Sendai was very, very busy. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to devote to studying the language, um, which is one reason why yeah. I wanted to move and get a new job that allowed me more free time. So my current job here in Tokyo does give me a ton of free time. Um, and I'm able to take classes and, and work in my Japanese. Um, but so, yeah, I can speak some, some Chinese long story short. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great answer. Like these are, and so for me, I guess I'll give a little bit of a background here. Yeah. The reason I was so excited and like really wanted to have you on the podcast mm -hmm. is there's so much that goes into 
the way that we use language just unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So from Mm -hmm. a mental health side of things, uh, there's those two parts of the brain. There's the conscious part and there's the unconscious part, you know, the Mm -hmm. conscious part being just those two frontal lobes Mm -hmm. in the, in the top of our brain that we use to make all of our decisions. Mm -hmm. But then from the frontal lobes back, there's all this other brain matter that just operates kind of doing its own thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you got your memories centers are located kind of above your ears. Mm. Right. And then you go a little further back. You've got like your brain stem that operates your heart and your stomach and Mm. all those type of things. And so you don't really think about remembering your memories. They just kind of happen. Yeah. You don't really think about your heart beating or your stomach digesting your lunch. It just kind of happens. Right. And so that's what we mean when we say the unconscious. So the language parts of the brain and the parts that are connected with memories all kind of happen on their own. You know, we may think about and consciously learn language, but once we learn that language, it becomes integrated into part of our our brain, into part of our mind, and Mm. it just kind of takes on. And it will actually shape the way that we think, the way that we interact with people. And so I'm just so curious about, Mm. I mean, you're you're like the... uh, the the perfect I don't I don't know if I want to say spy but it, researcher right <laughs> <laughs> going into both camps and like mm. being able to see like okay this is the way that those in America and who speak English think and act mm. and then with this change in culture and language this is the way that and I didn't even know but you have insight into Chinese culture mm-hmm. and insight into Japanese culture like yeah. th- to me as somebody who's interested in people and their stories this is absolutely fascinating nice okay I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad it's fascinating. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think Not it's amazing I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe it's just casual to you but I'm like whoa this is this is cool <laughs> <laughs> no it's funny I I meet people sometimes and I start to go into my history and like you know how long I've been here and there and you can see like their faces kind of glaze over and you're like, okay, I'm losing them. They don't care about all this, but I'm glad you're fascinated by it. I'm glad it's interesting. Oh yeah. You're not losing me. I'm not losing me. And, and I hope those, you know, listening share some of this passion and really see, you know, when you're getting a history and a story, like <clears throat> if you take it kind of just at face value, you can sort of glaze over, mm. but that's because you're not like looking deeper to the insights mm. that, that kind of story lends you like you have some insights into people and culture and experiences that i mean i'll be honest i'm i do not have like i've Mm -hmm. never i've never even been to japan like Mm -hmm. i've been outside the country Mm -hmm. you know a couple times but never to japan like that's amazing to me Mm -hmm. so anyways all all that build up to say uh i'm very curious to ask you some questions about like just some of the culture shocks and the differences Mm -hmm. that you know, there's a lot of assumptions that yeah. people make about how to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a hypnotherapist, you know, I deal a lot with the unconscious mind. And so mm-hmm. those unconscious assumptions, we call those trances. Okay. Right. Trances. So something that's a trance is something that we, we engage in without any conscious thought, mm-hmm. for instance, right. When you, when you get on your bicycle and ride to work in the morning, mm-hmm. you don't have to think about how to ride a bicycle You've done it so many times, you just do it unconsciously. You're probably thinking about the lesson plan you have to do for the day or what you're going to do when you get home or starting Mm -hmm. your Twitch stream back up. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Well, call it out. (laughs) I just want to play Among Us. That's all. I just... (laughs) Yes. That's the number one goal for the whole thing. (laughs) I mean, if if that's all I get out of the podcast, I'm a happy guy. No, just kidding. (laughs) 
<laughs> but those kind of things we engage in mm-hmm. uh, unconsciously and automatically, those are trances. Mm-hmm. And so, well, we do that uh, in our interactions with other people as well. And what's so interesting to me is I'm sure, I, I'm sure that in the beginning, there were a lot of awkward situations that you probably ran into because yeah. you were engaging in the American trances. Mm-hmm. And you're in Japan engaging with people who are engaging engaging in Japanese trances. Mm-hmm. And then those two, like, you know, two freight trains collide into each other. Often, yep. <laughs> so so what what kind of stories are coming to your mind when I'm when I'm talking about this that mm-hmm. you're thinking of? The first one that like immediately comes to mind when thinking of um, America versus Japan in terms of just those kind of unconscious things you might not think of are um, like when people are in um, public spaces that are a little more quiet, like in America, mm. the subway system is a loud, busy place. You know, people are talking, they're listening to music, they're doing whatever. Um, I've actually never ridden the subway in America, but um, I, from what I've seen on TV, it's, it's pretty busy. <laughs> I did. I did one time. I did the full experience. I got lost Ooh. and got unlost. So I had I had the full experience, full even experience. though it was one time. <laughs> <laughs> was it pretty busy and kind of crazy or loud or whatnot? Yeah, it was it was loud, it was confusing. Everyone like looked angry. Mm. <laughs> no one talked to each other. Okay, uh, okay. It was it was it was uh it was an experience for sure. Yeah. I'm from I'm from Florida. Oh okay, so okay. I live in Orlando. Oh nice uh, in Florida. Okay. Yeah. So the mouse in pants says hi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been there plenty of times. That's cool. Okay. So, yeah, it's definitely an experience, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the subway system in Japan is very much, I mean, it is pretty complicated, too. Like, the, the especially the system in Tokyo, there's just so many different subway lines that go all over. You can travel literally all over Tokyo. It's a massive city, but you can go anywhere in Tokyo, basically, um, with the the subway system. There's just so many trains and tracks that go off all over the, the city, which is nice. Um, uh, but it, it can get very complicated, but it's very much, it's a, a lot quieter of an experience riding the subway trains. Um, when you enter mm. the trains, you, you don't see people talking. Sometimes you see people talking if they're like maybe a bit younger or sometimes a bit older, but, um, Usually people are very quiet. They're like on their phones. Um, and if they get like a phone call or something, they're going to like talk in hushed tones. There's like a speaker oh. on the on the, the train that's like, um, you know, if and, and signs that you can read that say, if you get a phone call, you know, please don't talk loudly. Like Japan's very much a don't really? disturb other people kind of society. They're always thinking about the other person which is, is nice, but there's like kind of caveats to that. Um, the whole Japanese way of thinking, I guess. But um, so it's never something that you would see in, in Japan to see like people like doing crazy stunts on the subway trains and like people filming it for like, oh, yeah. I don't know, Instagram or something like that would never happen mm-hmm. unless they're foreign people. So I've been on trains with with my foreign friends before um, and I'm very much like an introvert and like I don't like to um, bother people. I don't like to like uh, be around people for too long. You know, I I, I need my space. (laughs) And 
yeah, yeah. people kind of act a little crazy and whatnot, that draws attention, obviously, to our group. We're already standing out because we're foreign, but then we're being mm -hmm. like disruptive foreign people. And I'm like, it, my anxiety goes through the roof when that happens. But um, so I, I've, I've seen foreign people who are my friends, foreign people who aren't my friends. Like in other times, I've seen people just be loud on the phones or like do something crazy on the trains. And you see the Japanese people like watching, but they don't, they don't confront them. They're not going to say anything to them. They're just like, oh, there go uh, the foreign people again. <laughs> kind of a thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, As foreigners. Right. And so it's like, that's, yeah. that's very much um, something that American people, I don't think, even think about, specifically the, the talking loudly. Um, Cause like some. Oh, geez. I mean, I'm thinking New York. Like, New York is known for like, loud and obnoxious and mm -hmm. hey what are you doing get out of here <laughs> right, <You know? laughs> exactly yeah just that that way of life i guess is so yeah it's so normal in the states for a lot of people right, right. in japan it's like the complete opposite they they would rather like die than than be caught being super loud and disrupting people um oh man so yeah, that's that's one thing. That's like the first thing that comes to mind when I think of the differences, I guess, in the, the trances um, between Japan and America. Um, yeah. Let's see. Awkward things that I in, encountered when I first moved here. Um, I don't know if this was so much awkward. This was this is interesting, but it wasn't really awkward. But something that was different was I'm used to um, when you meet someone, you know, you maybe exchange. Okay you know, contact information, you establish a friendship. Um, and it's very easy to do that here in Japan, too. However, Japanese people tend to be more, um, not guarded, but they're just, they don't open up as easily to people that they've just met, whether you're foreign or mm. not. Um, and so there have been a number of people who I've become friends with on, on like social media. Um, they're very the really popular app here is called line. I don't know if you know of it. It's there like basically like I don't. WhatsApp um, kind of like WeChat sort of a oh, thing okay. where they just, you know, you send messages. you can do. I thought you were going to say it's like uh, Japan's Tinder. Oh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no I different. Think, I think they just use Tinder here in Japan, <laughs> but, um, Oh really? Yeah, wow. Okay. Tinder's sure. really doing well yeah, over there. All right. Thanks. Hey, cheers to Tinder, right. you know, reach out for sponsorship, you know, <laughs> sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh so i've exchanged line accounts with uh, so many people here but then i never hear from them again like you have to be extremely ah. aggressive in maintaining a friendship with japanese people otherwise it's just it's that's it you exchange the information and then stuff yeah um so like i wouldn't even what do you think that's all about that's so that's so yeah, interesting i I don't know. That's just I culture, it, or yeah, is there? I've heard before also from either friends of mine who are Japanese, who are like they're actually my friends, um, or I think <laughs> yeah. even some students in the past have told me, like some of my high school students in the past told me that like you never tell someone your first name when you first meet them, or, or like it's weird to ask someone what's your name. Um, I don't know if this is actually true or not. This is what I've I've heard, but. Yeah, when you meet someone, you can, like, talk with them and stuff for a while, but it's very rare that if they're Japanese people talking, that they're going to ask what each other's first name is until it gets to a point in the conversation where they're super, super 
comfortable with each other, um, which is so different than, yeah. than like in the U.S. Like that's the first thing that you say to each other when you meet, usually. Yeah, what's your so, name? So um, yeah, I think it's just a cultural thing. It's just they. I don't know. I, I don't know what it stems back or what stems from, um, but that's just that's just how it is. <laughs> that's that's very interesting yeah that it would that would be that way i would imagine that um i don't i don't know if you had somebody who gave you you know some insight in the very beginning or not but i mean i'm just thinking if if that was my experience i'm obviously such an extroverted person Mm -hmm. like i love people at the end of a long busy day like i recharge by being around Mm -hmm. people that's where i get my energy you recharge by taking some Mm -hmm. alone time to kind of process and Mm -hmm. decompress but for me, being an extrovert, um, I would take that so mm. personally when people don't message me back. I'd be like, oh, they don't right. like me. I would kind of automatically, again, one of my trances, I would kind of automatically believe that this is about about mm-hmm. me, that there was something I did that offended them or didn't come across mm-hmm. right. And so they don't want to yeah. talk to me. But you can't really do that in Japan because you would you well, you'd be thinking you're the worst person in the world because no one's talking back <laughs> right. to you. Yeah, I'm actually really similar in that in that sense i'm always and this is just i think me just as a person like with everything i'm always thinking how have i wronged this person did i mess up is this this person hate me um and i think it it did come across or i did feel that way in the beginning when i wouldn't maybe hear back from people who i tried to establish a friendship with um it's like oh they probably maybe they're too intimidated to speak English with me. So I, that's on me. I should be able to speak Japanese better. Like I'm, I'm at fault mm. for this friendship, not going anywhere sort of a thing. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, geez, even the way you're talking about it now sounds like your <laughs> sort of natural way of thinking about things kind of lends itself well to being in Japan because you are like, so conscientious about others in the way that you're coming across mm-hmm. and you know really i mean even it comes across in your pages you know mm-hmm. online just the way that you really care mm-hmm. for other people uh and the way that you really think about the way you're coming across which sounds very similar to the foundational culture uh mm-hmm. of japan mm-hmm. yeah um i think for me even before i moved to japan um like growing up in the States before China, I, I've always been, and I guess this is kind of, <laughs> this is, this is a rabbit trail and it's kind of, I guess, deep, but I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> I'm so ready to go there. So I obviously am um, African-American. I guess those listening maybe wouldn't necessarily know that, but I'm African-American um, and I grew up it's true. Um, in an area in Michigan that was, predominantly well i would maybe like half half like half black okay. um, african-americans and and then half probably yeah i think caucasian residents but um i went to school in an area like a different city i went to school in an, an area in michigan that was predominantly white so and i went to that school ah. from kindergarten age all the way up till i graduated from high school and so i um I, I think, well, my siblings, all my siblings and I, we all share the same experience. We always felt like we never really fit in anywhere we went. 
whether we were with white people or black people or, or anyone, because at our school, we might be able to, like, we might understand the culture of the, the people there, but we obviously look super different. Yeah. And then when we would be around um, our black peers, we couldn't always relate super well because we would dress very differently than them. We would talk very differently than them. We would just um, carry ourselves very differently. Even though we looked the, you know, similar in our skin color, we behaved so differently that it just, we would get weird looks. Or the first thing that black people would often yeah. ask us when we would, um, when we was oh where did you go to school that was always the first question because they're like you're from flint but you're not from flint also where'd you go to school um and so mm. i i always grew up feeling like i never really belonged or fit in anywhere and that i think um led to a lot of mm, just social anxiety and just a lot of self-consciousness makes sense about um yeah, that just followed me, I think, wherever I went, whether it was, it kind of helped prepare me, I think, for China and Japan, <laughs> because I stood out even more so. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, in those countries. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was never something, like, I've always just been that kind of person, I guess, who's like, what is this person thinking of me? Like, is are they judging me for how I've said this or done this? Um, am I being... Am I being obnoxious? Am I being too quiet? Am I like, what am I doing wrong? I always feel like I'm doing something wrong. And right. people are like looking at me weirdly because of that, you know? Um, yeah. And I, as I've grown into like adulthood, I've definitely become more, I've become less anxious, I think. Like I'm not super, super anxious person anymore. Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that I'm living <laughs> in Asia. Um, but yeah, I do have those moments where it like builds up and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't belong here. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, I guess, a little personality snippet of mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and it makes so much sense as to why you're able to push through things that other people would probably find so difficult mm. and give up on. I mean, as I mean, I don't know, you, you said in there that you felt like you never fit in and my my heart just broke. I'm like, oh, Patrick, come here, I'll give you a hug. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, because like, oh, man, like anyone listening and like even myself, like we've all had those times where we feel like yeah. we don't fit in and just how like painful that can mm -hmm. be. I mean, I've even made previous episodes of the podcast talking specifically about how one of the one of the foundational things that we are born with as humans is the fear of being mm. alone because when we're alone, we are mm. vulnerable. Like we're kind of built in with this uh, survival mm -hmm. instinct of needing to fit in with other people because when you fit in with other people, somebody's mm -hmm. got your back. And so <clears throat> the anxiety, the fear, the depression, all those things that kind of happen when you start to feel those loneliness feelings are <laughs> just a fundamental like human mm. experience. And so, you know, hearing you go that, go through that, I empathize with it mm. so much, but at the same time, like without those sort of fundamental foundational experiences, um, you wouldn't be the amazing person that you are. You wouldn't have the amazing gift to give <clears throat> to the world mm. that you do because those type of experiences shaped you as painful as mm -hmm. I'm sure they were, but here you are 
you know, making use of them. And I mean, anybody who has, I mean, I, congratulations. I saw you broke uh, the 800 mark. On oh, 700, the 700. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 700. Yeah, yeah. You broke the 700 mark on yeah. TikTok. But, you know, I even think about that, like anybody who's gotten to that level of, you know, eyeballs on your video, um, like you have to have some confidence and some courage and, and some ability to embrace the loneliness that being an influencer in social media kind of brings with it. And I, I just, I see that so much mm -hmm. in you and it's, well, it's inspiring, mm -hmm. honestly. And I hope everybody checks out your page and sees what mm -hmm. you're all about because um, there's some experiences that you've been through that really can speak to and help mm -hmm. a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, all that to say, <laughs> you know, stepping off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, uh, problem at all. <laughs> no, I, what what sort of advice do you have for people who are experiencing some of that loneliness, some of that feeling like a foreigner? Like, I mean, you're you're in such a place to speak to those people who mm -hmm. are maybe struggling. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually get lots of DMs, um, whether on TikTok <laughs> or Instagram or whatever, from young people, like in high school or college, who have concerns about. Um, they're usually people who are wanting to move abroad specifically to Japan. Um, and they're, they're wondering yeah. about what they should expect if things will be hard for them and, and all this stuff. And um, I always tell them, or they ask for like advice or tips. I always say like, um, besides trying to learn as much of the language as you can beforehand, that's super important. Um, yeah. I, I always recommend them to, expect the unexpected um and to learn how mm. to be flexible because living in a foreign country you're always 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 going to experience things that you were not anticipating things are going to go wrong constantly things are not necessarily wrong but differently than what <clears throat> we're expecting them um to turn out like and yeah. so so just going into um transitioning to a new country with that mindset of okay, this is going to be different. This is going to be a challenge, but I'm going to just embrace as much as I can and learn from as much as I can in this experience like that. That's going to make, yeah. that's going to really shape your outlook of your experience. Um, and so that, that's probably what I recommend the most to people. Um, for those who might be struggling with something not related to moving abroad, um, like some, sometimes I get, um, people reaching out to me in high school also who are just dealing with like bullying issues or um, just dealing yeah. with depression of some sort. Um, and I always tell them like high school, high school is not easy. Like it's definitely not an easy time. It's, 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 it's rough sometimes, <laughs> um, but it, it passes. Like it's not something that's going to be in your life constantly. It's not going, these experiences that you're having, they will come to an end at some point and you'll be able to, to look back on them and think, okay, that was hard, but like, it wasn't so hard that I couldn't deal with it. Um, or like I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't face it. I couldn't overcome it. Um, and I, I was never one to really experience bullying. Um, so I, I can't speak too much to that. I, I, I can say what I think might help, but, it, it might be totally different um, for people going through it than what I imagine it would be like. Um, and I think it is often sometimes really, really 
just horrible and, and awful. But, um, yeah, you know, finding a support group can really make a difference. Um, but I guess, yeah, there's not always someone who is there to support people when they're going through those hard times. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know, I guess maybe well, one thing that people tell me, <laughs> I don't know if these are really good answers at all, but something that people tell me. <laughs> no, these are fantastic answers. I'm, I'm planning on circling back around to something you said just a minute ago that was incredibly profound, but I think people might have missed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but go ahead. Go ahead. Um, something that people say to me sometimes is um, uh, they often don't have anyone else to look to for advice or for support or guidance mm. at all. And so they come to me and they, they DM me. And I think like, like if I were in, if I was, if I was someone in like high school, I would never think to reach out to like an influencer to ask them this really deep personal question. <laughs> but yeah, they tell me like, there's literally no one else I can talk to about this. You're the only person who I feel like would be understanding enough and and would care enough to to give me some insight and and advice on this thing i'm dealing with um so that might be something yeah. that people who are dealing with a kind of lonely situation that might be something they that they could do to to help deal with the problem reach out to someone who like i don't know it that's it's a touchy subject like reaching out to people online is, is it's a whole <laughs> it's a whole thing with you know different caveats and whatnot. yeah it is a whole thing but um i don't know right like finding someone to listen i think there are a lot of services on or not online but um well some are online but also like like counseling services um that are available to listen yeah to people, absolutely hear out their problems like turn to something like that if if it's if it's um something that's that's that difficult for you that you're going through um because i think Having someone mm -hmm. to listen and 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 understand really makes a big difference in how you handle the situation. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think the thing that you said that was incredibly profound that uh, I've mm -hmm. heard it before, uh, but people often don't take the time to slow down and really hear what's being said. But you said it mm. just a minute ago. You said how important it is to come into things without all those mm. expectations and anxieties of it mm -hmm. has to go this way and really embrace the experience. That's something that a lot of influencers, a lot of people, you know, who have been through mm -hmm. some pretty incredible things yeah. say, but everyone just kind of dismisses it as, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Embrace the experience. No, no, no. You have to understand like embracing the experience sounds real nice and easy mm -hmm. and like this wonderful experience, but it's not. Embracing the experience is allowing the expectations that you've had, the hopes and dreams that you've had to literally <laughs> yep. be crushed and then to come out different and new and allow yourself to be reinvented every time you have a mistake or a failure or are, you know, mm -hmm. beaten down to allow yourself to be vulnerable, even in those moments mm -hmm. where we feel the most pain, embrace that moment and be like, Hey, this is different than what I expected. That's okay. I'm going to reinvent what I'm trying to look for here. I'm going to reinvent what I'm expecting from this type of environment, this type of situation, mm -hmm. and I'm going to keep pressing forward. And that's something that like is a huge, I mean, goodness, testament to your story, your journey. And I hope that when people look at you and it'll be like, man, I want to be like Patrick. 
that they recognize what you're saying and just how mm. profound it is what you're saying that you have to allow yourself to go through these things to be shaped and molded by the difficult journey, by the experiences and to come out new and different. Because if we don't allow our minds to be you know, molded and changed by what we're going through, we're going to be stuck with these mm. old trances mm. that we've had from, you know, yeah. our life growing up, from our parents, <laughs> from our environment, and we're not going to grow and have um, these transformative type of things we go through that are going to make us into the mature understanding yeah. people that we want to be, that, mm. that you've been through. Thank you. That's... <laughs> I, so I, I really hope yeah. people listen to that. I mean, what you mm. said was, was huge. Yeah, it actually even made me think about specifically my TikTok career. Like when I began TikTok, I, I really enjoyed dancing. Yeah. And so I was like, I, maybe I'm going to be like a... a <laughs> You're good at it too. Anyone check it I'm, out. I'm okay. Well, and it's interesting because I, I, I thought that I was really good at dancing too. And then I got on TikTok and I saw... Um, dances from people who are actually like they've actually trained in dancing and they've been at dan been in dancing schools for years and i was like i i can't compete with this at all like i put out a couple dances in the beginning and i was like these <laughs> suck compared to yeah. what i'm seeing from all these other people and so that kind of like crushed my whole all of my aspirations for tiktok i never really planned to like blow up and become a huge TikToker. I, I knew that was a possibility. Um, a friend of mine actually recommended me to TikTok because she, at my old school, I would always make these little dances for the, the kids to do and stuff. And she's like, you should do it. You should dance on TikTok. Like you could get really big with it. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. Oh, yeah. So I, I started it. And then again, saw that I don't really compare at all to the people who are super good at dancing. So I was like, okay, this is not going to work. And I almost like stopped doing TikTok completely. Um, but I was like, okay, maybe I can just like do other stuff. It doesn't have to be dancing. <laughs> and so I started to make like comedy sketches and I started <laughs> to do like occasional story times. I started to show off different places around Japan and, um, and I would still do dances every now and then, but um, I didn't stick to the one yeah. thing that I had like solely focused on in the beginning because that was not going to work for me. Um, and it, it was like a very humbling thing to go through, but it was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I, I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm going to just reinvent, like you said. And so I started to do other stuff and things took off. And now I'm, I'm at 700K, which is still, it's mind boggling to me. Like, it is. That's a crazy it's, number. It's interesting because I don't feel like <laughs> like people be like, oh, you're a famous TikToker now. And I'm like, I don't feel at all like a famous person. I'm just like, I'm still like goofy, goofy, awkward Patrick <laughs> <laughs> who can barely like express himself like, <laughs> like a simple thing. Like I'm surprised that I'm, I've been able to like express myself this well in this um, this podcast because like, usually I'm yeah, like you're killing it, dude. Place. It's, it's a mess. But um, so I still am like, I'm that person, but people <laughs> see me very differently because of because of the numbers and from what they've seen online. Like a lot of people really respect me for the things that I've said in different right. TikToks and whatnot. And so TikTok is, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be able to have that platform to to do all this with people. But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for having to like throw away what I thought it was going to be and work with what what it was. Um, so 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm finding more and more the more people that I talk to and the more people I have on the podcast, uh, I really like to reach out to people who have something very unique, like who have like a story and experience that's just kind of incredible that they can share with the world. And then I have them on and we talk about things. And the more that I do that, the more I'm realizing those who have been through something, have something unique to offer and are, you know, uh, honestly, 700,000, very successful at what they do. Um, they all kind of intrinsically, unconsciously understand some of these hypnotic principles and are able to apply them without mm. even knowing they're applying them. And over and over, I'm seeing this pattern. And so for you, like what you're talking about is very much what I do as a hypnotherapist. It's called reframing or also, uh, yeah, like reframing mm-hmm. and sort of adjusting the story. So people who really struggle will get stuck inside one story. And if that story doesn't go the way that they already wrote it inside their mind, they kind of tunnel in and then become depressed and anxious because the story isn't mm-hmm. going the way they expected it to. A hypnotherapist's job is to see their story, listen to it, validate it, and then to kind of shake it up and create a whole new story that's saying, hey, I know you're looking at this, but we're going to just explode that story that you had and create a new one that is more functional because clearly the story that you wrote isn't matching the reality that you're living in. And Patrick, if there's one thing you've been through, it is the (laughs) just train crash of your expectations and the story that you're Mm -hmm. writing meeting reality. And you are a master at rewriting your story and being like, Hey, that didn't work. Let's figure it out because there's Mm. something that's going to work and I'm going to do it. That's, (laughs) that's incredible to me. Mm. And that's why I'm so excited to have you here because you excel at that. And it's a testament. Like that's Mm. why you're in the position that you're Mm -hmm. in because you're good at that. That's just incredible to me. It's (laughs) It's crazy when when you word it like that. Um, it, it is like a wow. I guess that's true. I'd never think of it that way. I guess, um, but it 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 is true. Yeah. Even in terms of like my career, like I'm an English teacher, but I never I never mm-hmm. wanted to be a teacher growing up. I never envisioned myself teaching kids in college. I didn't study education. I was a communications major. Um, it was just, and so I kind of had a a path. Well, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in life. I didn't really have a <laughs> clear path set for myself, but um, it definitely wasn't what it is. And so now that I'm here and I've kind of reworked things, um, it's a good place mm-hmm. that I'm in. I'm really happy to be doing what I'm doing, but it never was what I had planned. Um, and so I, I, I think that that theme does kind of show up in like multiple parts of my life having to just rework things, like you said, reframing, that reframing idea. Yeah, Uh, man, that's cool. Well, and I can see how you being able to do that uh, has also put so many (laughs) smiles and so many laughs on so many other people's faces and helped them see like, hey, I know things are not the way that you want them right now. Like, but you're, and you're (laughs) showing people that, hey, it's okay. Things aren't going the way you want. It's okay. You can rewrite your story and figure out what it is you're supposed to be doing in a situation mm-hmm. through your comedy sketches, through, mm-hmm. you know, your story times, like telling people like, hey, this mm-hmm. is my experience. You can do it too. And I mean, for 700,000 people plus to look at your face and say, I want more mm-hmm. of this face in my feed. 
uh, just shows like how much you've touched on something that is core and essential mm. to the human mm. experience. And that's, that's beautiful. It's amazing. So, well, Hey, if you want some smiles on your face, uh, <laughs> definitely go follow the paper Pat on TikTok, on Instagram, any of the places, uh, Patrick, well, what can I shout you out here with? Where should uh, yeah, they find you? Basically the paper Pat is my, my username for almost all of my social media. So, um, Twitter, uh, TikTok, a uh, Twitch, <laughs> um, uh, my Instagram <laughs> name is also the paper pat, but there's uh, like periods in between each of the the words. The dot paper dot pat. Um, I think that's it. Oh, and YouTube also. I have a YouTube okay. channel. So if you want to follow me on the the paper pat YouTube channel, feel free to. <laughs> love that, love that, and I hope everyone does because uh, man, I'm so glad when my friend <laughs> tagged me in your video. Yeah, it's just I'm opened glad. up a whole I'm new world to me. Tagged, <laughs> tagged you too. <laughs> Connect me with your friend. I wanna 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 follow. It's you awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I sure will. Well, he, he definitely yeah. follows you. So I'll send you a, I'll send you a DM here Thank in a minute. Thank you so much for having me. That's great. I, I love hey, this. well, I'm so glad you were here. For everyone watching, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can find me online at Lion Mental Health, L-Y-O-N. Uh, we talk about dreams and hypnosis and just the human experience. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty crazy thing. But uh, tell us what you think. You know, follow Pat. Uh, Patrick, and <laughs> uh, if you're curious about Japanese mm -hmm. or any of that type of thing, uh, let's start the conversation. Maybe if you guys ask some good questions, hey. maybe we'll have them back and answer <laughs> some of those cool, things. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool. I just want to say a huge thank you to Patrick for taking the time to share his story with us, despite the 13-hour time difference between Florida and Japan. He is always bringing a smile to the faces he meets, and I know you'll enjoy his content just as much as I do. But until next time, thank you for joining me on the Tripping Off podcast.